Erin Patterson, the Aussie woman who was accused of killing three people via a beef wellington, has pleaded not guilty. We have everything you need to know from Australia. For that and everything else worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you listen to podcasts. It's all on in Australia this weekend as Formula One hits the city. The most sought-after party invitations and the hardest-fought battles. Can Red Bull be knocked off its perch? Drivers getting paid huge amounts of money, race team spending copious amounts of money to try and be Constructors World Champion and also Drivers World Champion. We look back at our summer of cricket and the amazing performances put in by Kane Williamson. Plus the Battle of the Bombays and Super Rugby Pacific. And can the Phoenix women avoid the wooden spoon as their season comes to an end? Kia ora, I'm Zoe George and this is The Podium. Sports news but not as you know it from Stuff. Formula One lovers in Melbourne can get a whiff of the high-octane action this weekend with the F1 coming to Albert Park in the south of the city and broadcast on Sky Sport from Friday. The four-day event will feature some of the top drivers such as Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton. So to get the inside running on this weekend's race is Kiwi motorsport legend Greg Murphy. Kia ora, thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. What are the big battles to watch out for this weekend? Yeah, well, there's always big battles in Formula One. I mean, it is the the, the top echelon of motorsport in the world. Um, the pinnacle, you know, it's it's where the majority of the money goes. It's the second year of a whole new sort of design in the formula of the car. Teams are a, a year down the track and trying to understand the new regulations. Last year, Red Bull Formula One team sort of dominated with Max Verstappen winning the World Championship and winning also the Constructors. This year at the gate, Max has continued on with his winning ways. At the first round, his teammate Sergio Perez won the last round, which was in Saudi Arabia. They're looking to come back to Australia this year and do a much better job than what they did last year. They had uh, some serious issues in 2022 with their cars. But they're looking very strong, and it really is for the rest of the uh, the pack to chase at the moment. Fernando Alonso... Uh, you mentioned his name before. He's, uh, I think he's 40 or maybe just over 40 now and has had a bit of a resurgence. Uh, he moved to the Aston Martin team for 2023 in a bit of a late shift that was unexpected and has come out the gate uh, performing very strongly. He's had two podiums uh, straight away in 2023, which is a great start for him. So he really has sort of set the cats amongst the pigeons. It's, it's been quite an amazing start for Formula One to see the dual world champion, been out of the limelight for quite a while, come back and, and show some amazing speed uh, considering his age. The other interesting talking points are Ferrari not performing and also Mercedes not performing. McLaren um, really lacklustre at the start of, of 2023. So there's a lot still to play out. It's a long championship, 23 race meetings this year. So lots to still happen. Um, but we, we certainly uh, are excited that it's back in Australia again in 2023. And it's a great racetrack. Uh, so you talked about those new regulations. What are they and what's the goal or what's the aim of bringing these new regulations in? Yeah, well, that's actually a really good question. Um, the, there's, a, there's now a cost cap as well uh, being introduced. So the teams have to operate within a, within a budget. I think it's $145 million either US or pounds. I can't remember which one it is, but it's, it's just a stupid amount of money regardless. But um, they, uh, they've got to operate within this cost cap. So the, the, the new regulations were designed to, to, to try and obviously uh, bring, bring back some cost, um, but it's a redesign of the car. Um, they wanted to try and create better racing through being able to allow the cars to follow closer um, in a Formula One car. Uh, the, the air that um, goes over the top of the car 
is disturbed massively at the back of the car. So it's a lot of turbulent air, which if you're following behind in a straight line, allows the car behind to have better speed and get a very good slipstream, as we call it. But when it comes to cornering, that disturbed air means that the aerodynamics of the following car uh, are not efficient, and therefore it doesn't create or generate the grip or the aerodynamic downforce effect that Formula One cars are known to perform on. So the cars behind then have to fall but fall further behind than what they want, and therefore it limits overtaking opportunities. So the, the new regulations, they've changed the philosophy of the aerodynamics to hopefully allow the cars to follow closer, which it seems that has been happening. But in Formula One, it's just an endless R&D kind of cycle, and, and teams do... Um, with some very, very smart people make changes to their cars to obviously tr- within the rules to try and find advantage. And at the moment, Red Bull seem to be doing that uh, better than better than most. What's better, F1 or V8? Formula One versus supercars, difficult. I mean, I'm a purist. I love I love uh, motorsports. You know, Formula One is, is the pinnacle of it. But at the moment, at the moment, I'm actually uh, more interested in, in supercars. Um, you know, for I think Formula One is has got a little bit of work to do to continue to make sure that it, it maintains that that real competitive edge. And supercars is very very close to racing; is very tight. Maybe a little bit more relevant, uh, certainly to this part of the world as well. Mm, brilliant! Thank you so much, Greg Murphy. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Cheers. The Black Caps home season is almost over with one more one-day international against Sri Lanka at Seddon Park this weekend, then three T20s before they hit the road to Pakistan. But has it been a successful summer for the side and can they continue their winning ways through until the Cricket World Cup later in the year? Former Black Cap Dion Nash, hello. Hi, how are you, Zoe? Good. We've only had a single one-day international to judge at the moment, but uh, new blood worked out well, you think? It's a little bit like the New Zealand summer. It's been very stop start hasn't it um hard to really get a real grasp on where the team's at i think early on in the summer i felt we were possibly looking like an old team and a you know a, an old tree in the forest has started at slow fall or decline um and now um and then and yet um and when we finished up it was probably the older heads who got us through and, and actually redeemed the summer so um, and now we're seeing quite a lot of young blood come into the side. And I think so. I think you know probably our first read on it is is we are looking at an older team that needs some fresh blood into it, and that's what we're starting to see now with the selection policies. Mm, you're right about those older kids, though. And one that absolutely stood out for me this summer was Kane Williamson, particularly in the Test matches. Just magnificent to watch. Centuries, multiple times. Is he the goat of New Zealand cricket? I think you'd have to put him in there. Um, I think he just has um, taken it to a new level. I mean, it's always hard, right? There's, there's probably historically, from my mindset, you know, you look at the Richard Hadleys and the, and the Martin Crows and maybe further back the Glenn Turners. Um, and, you know, I, I think that Kane now is certainly in that the echelon of New Zealand cricketers and what's been probably most impressive for me is he's given up the captaincy either either given it up or had it taken away it doesn't really matter but as a senior player he's really stepped up and, and it sort of almost doubled down on his performance um, which which says which to me um, speaks volumes about the man um, you know to, to not show any negative uh, issues with having the captaincy taken away and actually just go out and and become an even more impactful player. It really says a lot, I think. And, 
you know, I'm sure Tim Southey is forever grateful um, to have him on the side, you know. Well, uh, Kane Williamson and Tim Southey won't be part of the Black Caps squad of their tour to Pakistan very, very soon once the Sri Lanka series is over. Who else is not going to be there? Finn Allen is off to um, IPL, I think, as uh, Tim, Tim Southey, um, Mitchell Santner. So there's a few people being affected, and this is the modern world, of course, we live in, um, that um, it's not just selection now, it's also the considerations of other tournaments and IPLs. And along with that, you've got people sort of opting out of, of their contracts. Um, and so I think we're in a changing environment. I think um, I've said, said it before that, you know, we're probably at a little crossroads in international cricket where you've got um, this this tussle between, you know, playing international cricket for your country or playing, you know, these club tournaments um, that are really the, the revenue makers. So, um, uh, where that's all going to fall fall out over over the next few years, it'll be interesting to see. But it certainly impacts a country like New Zealand. Um, you know, we we only have so many to pull from. I um, mean, when you take a few out and you put them in an IPL tournament instead of touring Pakistan, for example, uh, it, it definitely it creates opportunity. Can we win the Cricket World Cup later in the year? Are we tracking the right way? What we've got right now is we've got a really nice balance where we're actually one of the more mature teams or have been. We're now in a stage where we're starting to blood some of those young players, and I think we're going to end up with a really nice balance of senior players. You know, the Tom Lathams, the the Conway, the Mitch Centers, the Tim Southies, all of these guys who have been around um, a long time. But we're going to blood in all these young players with them, and it's going to be a really nice mix, and could be just just a really exciting cocktail. Well, I love a nice, exciting cocktail, particularly <laughs> at the cricket. Uh, <laughs> Dion Nash, always a pleasure chatting. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Zoe. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing iffy in there. That on. sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. It's the battle of the Bombays this weekend between top-of-the-table Waikato Chiefs and fourth-ranked Auckland Blues. But Super Rugby itself has been described as a bore-fest by stuff commentators. Fans deserve better, they say. Former elite-level player turned Sky pundit Carl Tanana, is this Super Rugby Pacific round boring? I don't think so. I think the, um, the new changes that have been trialled from World Rugby have really sped up the game and been, you know, I think quite exciting. And I suppose some pundits are saying that maybe it's boring, the crowds aren't there. But what I say to that is, I think that's a global thing. You know, I think uh, we've seen up north there've been a lot of crowds, but a lot of clubs have gone under. I think the way New Zealand and Australia have gone about the, the Super Rugby Pacific competition. Um, still feed us into our national teams and, and, and a big reason why we're probably some of the best in the world. Are people concerned about the future of Super Rugby? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, the, like I said, the law innovations have sped up the game. I think we've seen a lot of attacking rugby. And, um, you know, I've been quite excited with the, the Australians, the way they've really closed the gap in terms of making games a little bit more competitive for the New Zealand teams. And I think New Zealand teams love playing against the Australian sides as well. So I think... Um, <clears throat> I think both both countries have realised that they do need each other. Um, and it's very much, uh, you know, we, we see the Northern Hemisphere teams internationally dominate at the moment because they're playing 
and and and, and uh, I think against each each other in, in a structured competition. And uh, I think uh, South Africans will try to join that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play out internationally. But I just think um, the way we are tracking the Australians and New Zealanders, we have to look after Australia and New Zealand. We have to look after ourselves. We don't can't be worrying about um, what's going on up north. I think that's always been the strength of the Southern Hemisphere and probably why we've been the leaders and been in the um, in the top echelon internationally. So I think the, the competition, um, I, I still think, um, has its place. Is it worth? I mean, once we didn't have it, what's what's the alternative? You know, I mean, it's, it's all about the, the Wallabies and the All Blacks, All Blacks for us in particular. So and in a World Cup, yeah, it's massively important, massively huge. So... We'd love to have more crowds. I, mean, I think actually down on Friday night in Christchurch, there was, was a very decent crowd. Some might say, yeah, the Warriors, especially in Auckland, had a big crowd, but we've got to remember they've been away overseas for two years. Back to the matches in hand, Battle of the Bombays. Why is this the most exciting game of the weekend? Oh, it's always big brother, little brother, you know. I mean, I mean, when I was playing with the Chiefs, we always uh, looked at it as uh, you know, the Blues coming down, trying to flex their muscles and try and uh, stomp you out. So I know that... Uh, at the moment, it's in reverse. The Chiefs are on top, haven't lost the game. And in terms of the table, like the Blues got a win uh, last week against the Force, and the, you know they're getting back into the competition. They dropped a couple, so now they're three and two. So that's a chance for them to potentially get in the top four. And it's all about that um, race to finish in the top two to try and get home advantage um, in, in, in finals time. I think this is a this is an important one because if the Chiefs win, they consolidate, push themselves out just a bit to get a little bit of comfortability. But for the Blues, I think even more. Bigger, I think, because they need to get back into that, that top four uh, minimum by the end of the, the round and start consolidating there. So this is where I think you'll find whether both teams are the real deal in, in terms of their um, establishment in the top four. And I think that's the exciting part about it. Thanks, Carl. You can watch all the Super Rugby action on Sky Sports, Sky Sport Now and Prime. The Phoenix women had a great showing this week, beating Adelaide 3-1. But with the final match of the season looming, can they boost their pretty grim season results? A football watcher with lots of thoughts on this is Stuff Football reporter Andrew Vorman. Kia ora, Andrew. Welcome to the podium. Hi Zoe, great to be here. So Andrew, the Phoenix women, they're going to finish at the bottom of the table or second to the bottom of the table, aren't they? They are. You know, it's been a somewhat disappointing season, but when you look at what's happened, they've had a few injuries to key players. They clearly didn't make the most of preseason, and they've sort of just, you know, been up and down. Um, you know, there have been signs of progress, but at the same time, there's been a few backward steps, and you know, there's lots to think about as they head into the off season. Who are going to be some of the game makers for us to keep an eye out on this weekend? Yeah, you know, Paige Satchel has been in really good form of late. She came back from the last Football Ferns tour, and she was benched. But she's made her way back into the starting lineup, and she was rewarded with her first Phoenix goal of the weekend. Um, with the fans now heading off to Turkey after this weekend, hopefully she can score another so she's got her shooting boots on as she boards the plane. So we've got her. Who else have we got in the Knicks who are off to play with the football fans? Now, who are they playing? They're going to Turkey, right? They are. They're going to Turkey, but they're going to be playing Iceland and Nigeria. So it's a fairly eclectic grouping of countries there. Um, the big news was that Millie Clegg, the Phoenix's 17-year-old, is in line to make her debut this month. Um, there's also four other players. There's Michaela Foster, who made a debut in February. There's centre-backs Kate Taylor and Mackenzie Barry. And there's uh, veteran midfielder Betsy Hassett. So that makes six Phoenix players altogether. What's going to happen to uh, the coach of the Phoenix, Lawrence? Yes, I think the signs are there that they want to keep her on. I think she's done enough to be kept on. You know, she got handed the coaching baton at a very late notice when Gemma Lewis headed back to Wales. And 
yeah, she's done a reasonable job. You know, the win over Sydney the other week was really impressive. And if she has a bit of continuity and a whole proper off-season to plan things, I think there's signs that the Phoenix could be rising up the ladder next time around. Andrew, thanks so much. No worries. Here's what else is making headlines. There's still two more days of finals racing at the Wakaama Secondary Schools Nationals at Lake Tikitapu near Rotorua. More than 100 schools and 1,600 paddlers are taking part in the event. The Oceania Cycling Championships continue the next two days with Kiwi racers looking to continue their winning ways in the road race and time trial race in Brisbane in hopes of qualifying for the World Champs later this year and the Paris 2024 Olympics. And the New Zealand men's curling team start the World Championships campaign in Ottawa this weekend. And speaking of curling, while the women's world champs have come to an end, the Kiwis were unable to place at their world champs in Sweden. Kiwi curler Bridget Becker won the Francis Brodie Spirit of Curling Award, selected by the other curlers for upholding the spirit of the game, and is the first ever Kiwi to win it. Great stuff. Pickleball is having a Hollywood moment. Now, just a reminder what pickleball is all about. It's the fastest growing sport in the US and is played with a paddle and a plastic ball on a court that's about the same size as a badminton court and is for people of all abilities. This weekend, four tennis legends have been lured to compete in a pickleball slam in Hollywood and producer Jono is back to tell us all about this glitzy event. Hello, producer Jono. Hello, Zoe. It's so glitzy. I feel like I should have worn something more sparkly instead of a navy blue t-shirt. Now, who's taking part in this? amazing event. These are big names. So we have the the original you cannot be serious man, Mr. John McEnroe. We have Andre Agassi. We have Andy Roddick and we have Michael Chang. These are all like really, really top flight names in tennis. So this is an all-star lineup. It's been called a cultural phenomenon. Why are people mad about pickleball, though? <laughs> well, it, it is firstly, it is a cultural phenomenon because, as you said in the intro, so many people can play it. It's so accessible to people of all abilities and all ages, and it's you know competitive between all sorts of different people can play at the same time. But people are mad because it makes a weird noise. Uh, described by some people as a thwack, a pop, or a whack. This feels like some kind of weird ASMR that I'm doing. Um, but yeah, apparently it's so popular now that multiple games going on multiple courts in a small place can actually be really noisy. And because you can fit more players on a court than you can for something like tennis or badminton or squash or whatever, it gets really, really loud when people are hitting those plastic balls with their little wooden paddles. So uh, the noise could be the, the thing that causes problems for pickleball. Oh, the noise. But back to the event. What do these tennis stars add to pickleball in this event. This is real legitimacy for pickleball. Like we know it's been growing for for ages and we know it's enormously popular. And there's been pickleball leagues that have cropped up here and there and have really kind of got a little bit of traction. But I think having superstar names like this really gives it a sense of legitimacy and really makes people look at this as, oh, this is actually a real sport. It's not just a hobby. It's not just something people are doing in their spare time. This is a legit, proper sport. Jono, always a pleasure having you on the show. Great to be back, Zoe. And this is what pickleball actually sounds like. And that's the podium. I'm Zoe George, and on behalf of our guests this week and producers Jono Williams and Philip Tolly and sound engineer Connor Scott, thanks for listening. Would you take up pickleball? Tell us at the podium at stuff.co.nz. Until next week, kakete anō, go well. If 
If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.